Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Admitment. I'm your girl, D, And I'm your girl, Nettie. And today we have a very special guest with us. We're interviewing one of Nettie's college volleyball coaches. Yes, so today we have Coach Mo joining us, and I'm so excited to have you with us. So, Mo, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, um, and whatever other information you want us to have. Yeah, well, thanks both of you for having me. Um, I kind of feel, I feel so big time right now um, <laughs> being on a podcast. But uh, yeah, as Nettie said, my name is Mo. Um, I am currently um, a head volleyball coach. Um, am I allowed to say where? Is that cool? Can I say Yeah, that? yeah, of oh, course. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. um, not that it's top secret, but at yeah. uh, Cal, Cal State Monterey Bay, Um And I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest, um, so I was fortunate enough to play volleyball at Washington State University um, and never thought that I would work in college, let alone college athletics, but here I am and I love what I do and I'm just, I'm so thankful for the platform that I have and and being able to to connect with students and student athletes in the way that I do. Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate having you. And thanks um, for that introduction. So before we get into our check-in, I just want to give you a disclaimer, Mo. Okay. Please feel free to tell any embarrassing story, <laughs> any, like, juice, <laughs> anything that you, you know, we probably should uh, know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm going to have to be thinking, and something will probably come to me, but I will tell you that just hearing Nettie's voice, I... <laughs> Like, I, I'm just, like, laughing because I'm thinking of so many times where it'd just be a high-stress situation, and Nettie would start laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I'm trying to get her to do something. And, you know, like, she, like right now, she just starts laughing. And then how are you supposed to regain composure as a coach? Right. <laughs> you know? And I just – I will – I'll have to be thinking as we talk, but I just – her – Nettie's personality is so infectious – and <laughs> as you as you know, Dee, um, but imagine coaching that on a volleyball court and, you know, it just the stories are there. You know, maybe I'll hold on to them and, and keep them in my back pocket for when I need <laughs> Right. We can, we can work out a, a blackmail later. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. No <laughs> you know, what's funny is that as you said that, I like thought I'm like oh yeah by the time I got to volleyball I broke that habit because I used to do that all the time in high school when I played basketball and one of my basketball coaches he it would just like frustrate him so much but he never yelled at us and he'd be like why are you laughing and I'd be like I mean <laughs> I'm am I supposed to beat myself up about it I don't know I think it's just like my way to cut through <laughs> yeah well and I will tell you Nettie especially now more than ever like people need that you know we just mm-hmm. We need people that are doing things because they love them and they enjoy them and, and it rubs off on other people. And that, that is something that I remember too very true about you as a player. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do our check-ins. Um, love it. So I'm going to throw the check-in to you first. So what have you been doing during COVID? Have you picked up any hobbies? Been wa- binge watching new TV shows? Oh, goodness. Well, um, we, I, my husband and I bought a new house right like right at the start of the quarantine. Um, oh. So literally, I think Monterey County went to shelter in place on like a Friday and we moved into the house the Thursday before. So, oh <laughs> so for the first half of quarantine, I like I had no idea what everybody was complaining about because I'm like unpacking, I'm doing all the things that you do when you move 
that like mm-hmm. you don't want to do because other people are doing fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But nobody was doing fun stuff. So <laughs> it was like perfect timing. <laughs> yes. Um, I have started cooking, um, which is new for me. Um, I've always been an average cook, but now I feel like if you can read instructions and, and have ingredients, <laughs> like you should be able to do it. Um, and there are but, YouTube videos. <laughs> and there are YouTube videos. Yeah. I, and I, um, and, but I'm a word person. Yeah, I was an English major. Um, and so for me, like reading directions is way more my speed than even watching, which is, I know is weird these days. Like I totally, mm-hmm. like, I think I'm like an old school person in that regard. <laughs> um, but as far as binge watching, oh, there are so many, I can't even, I, I just recently binge watched, um, upload on Amazon prime, oh. which was very interesting. Um, I am currently trying to work my way through, uh, the crown on Netflix. Okay. But I, I hear I'm that's just, a good one. Uh, yeah, I love I love learning about history, and I like if of course there's an, an entertainment value, it's that much better. But I'm just like, come on, can we please get to the Princess Diana part? Like that's <laughs> like that's really the part that I want to watch, you know? So but see, that's they know that's the part you're waiting oh, for. That's what I. They yeah, they're smart. Those Netflix people, they get you. They get <laughs> yeah. you. Um, and you know, and I will I will end with this on my guilty my guilty binge watch because I, I always ask my girls my players I'm like hey what should I be watching and they, they will text me like on just randomly text me you should watch this and so I my poor husband I made him binge watch Outer Banks with me on Netflix Whoa. and it's like what's that a, one about yeah what's that one about it's like a teen drama of, it's basically <laughs> teen drama in a summer in I don't know, North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere on the East Coast, I, you know, but it's like the most teen you could get. And I'm just like, okay, these are what the kids are watching. I'm going to say, like, I'm going to so say. So it's husband friendly. Oh yeah. Well, he, you know, he was in and out, but bless his, bless his heart. He, I mean, he watched it with me and now I can relate to my girls. Cause you know, I watched it and I'll try to stay hip, you know, as long as I can. Mm-hmm. So did you watch Tiger King at all? I, I have already picked out my Halloween costume. So, yes. <laughs> That's funny. I, I said, I was like, you know, I think I can pull off Carol Baskin. And my husband, like, we can make him be Joe Exotic. And, like, we'll, I think that'll be a hit. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, yeah, I think that'll be good. <laughs> I know. But I, it was, Tiger King was like, you wanted to watch it, but you also, for me, I was like, but I can't, but I need to, but I can't. That was like, just like being tortured the whole time if I should be watching it or not, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, D still has not watched it, so. <laughs> okay, I won't, I'm not going to give any of it away, but uh, be warned. I have warned you. <laughs> I don't plan to watch it, though. Okay, D, watch it. I don't. <laughs> She's going to get you, D. Be careful. I know. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "What happened to D Nettie?" <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be a whole docu docu series. Um, no, D, you should really watch it and just get like, I get it. There aren't a lot of bandwagons that I tell people to get on, and I wasn't sure I would watch it at first, but then I just wanted to like understand all the memes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Asking for a Baskin, they redid the Savage remix. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. That was yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, all right. So, Dee, what have you been doing? Um, let's see. What have I been doing? Um, pretty much the same old, same old in quarantine. You know, just um, trying to learn how to balance my time more. I'm relaxing a little bit more than I usually would. I feel oh. like I'm becoming lazy, low-key. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if I, like, ever put you and lazy in the same sentence. Because I feel like you do so much. And you're like, I'm just not being productive. And I'm like, <laughs> you've done, like, ten more things than I accomplished this week. So, <laughs> you know, but it's funny because whenever I, I don't know if you guys are, like, into astrology or, like, horoscopes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, they tell me often that I'm a lazy person. And I'll be like, the list on attack. Because I'll be like, <laughs> dang, like, you're going to tell everybody. Right. But... <laughs> you ain't got to tell the whole world that you keep that to yourself. <laughs> Right, um, but what about you, Nettie? I have been, um, well, it's watermelon season, so let's just start there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love watermelon arguably too much. So um, my roommate got me some watermelon yesterday, or not yesterday, she got it for me like a few days ago, but I finally chopped it up yesterday, and I'm probably almost done with it. Um, and then, let me see, any binge watch shows? I started binge watching uh, Beauty and the Baker. I think that's what it's called, or Baker and the Beauty. And it's such a cute little show. It's kind of corny, but it's cute. Um, And that's, I guess that's really been it. And I guess we've been kind of like, just, you know, just all the way in. So it's, we're recording this early. So um, sorry to, you know, destroy all the magic to our listeners, but (laughs) we're gearing up for a HBCU series that's coming out in June. So we've actually been doing like a lot of that and just like sending like the edits back and forth to our audio engineer and like coming up with all the content for the month. So that's actually kept us kind of kind of busy and has kind of kept me out of bed. And also Wordscapes is my brand new addiction. <laughs> that is super funny. Yeah. Do that's you, a cool game. Yeah. Do either of you play it? No. Yeah. I, I have it on my phone. Oh, okay. It's, it's, oh my, Mo, you would love it. You just... I was I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine that I have zero games on my phone, like none. I have no oh. I have no games on my phone, and I think I need to up my like up my status there because apparently it's yeah. it's what you do with the phone. I you know I'm like I know you know what I didn't have any games for a while either. But then there's a game pigeon, which is like an app you can download and you can play with your friends. Oh. So I started doing that. Okay. And it's actually really fun. And so me and one of my friends, we like play a game at least every day. And so it's like a fun way to like stay oh. like connected to each other. But um, I just kind of got to this point where I was tired of waiting on people to play me back. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find a game I could play by myself and Wordscapes was it. So I'm like on level 100 and like 40 or something oh. like that. And I've had it for two Jesus. days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> It's a good game. It's it really just gets your mind going. <laughs> I have to check that out. <clears throat> yeah, it's a fun one. Okay, so before we get started into our interview, we like to do little icebreakers to get our guests loosened up. So Love it. We play we play an icebreaker called "Would You Rather." So you ready? I'm. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to take the first question, or you want me to do it? Um, I'll take it. Okay. Would you rather be able to compete for your country in the Olympics and win a gold medal, but never be able to play professional sports after you win your gold medal? Or would you rather play professional sports and never be able to make it to the Olympics, Mel? Oh, Olympics all the way. 
Absolutely. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that's a very specific question, but yes, I <laughs> I would uh I would for sure love to play in the Olympics. I think it's just such a cool um and truly remarkable event that I would be all about. Absolutely. Okay. And my Yeah, on the plus side you win a gold medal. Saying the Olympics such a unique experience and my younger sister, my youngest sister um cries at every Olympic event and commercial ever. So <laughs> she Aww. cannot control herself. She gets so emotional about the Olympics and I, I'm sure she wouldn't even be able to function if I won a gold medal. <laughs> I know, right? Do all you guys um, play Yes, play yeah, uh, my whole family. Um, my Both my parents were actual, actually college athletes. Um, and then I'm the oldest of three nice. girls. And so myself and my middle sister both played uh, volleyball. My younger sister played a little bit in high school, played some lacrosse in high school. Um, but she, um, she's like, I always told you, she's the coolest one in the family. Um, she's mm-hmm. really Aww. into like photography and art. And she's by far and away way cooler than my, my other sister and I. That's what I tell her all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. That is sweet. Okay. <clears throat> I feel like I know what you're oh. gonna say for this one, but we're gonna ask it anyways. So would you rather only be able to whisper or only be able to shout? I kinda do this already, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say shout. <laughs> um because Imagine being a say, coach yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who can only whisper. Yeah, there's I don't think there's any way I'd function if I could only whisper. Yeah, for sure. I know, but then it's like at a game, like if you're shouting too loud, then the other team can hear. Yeah, anything. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, when you're in your huddles, but so, but I could see that. I'm like, I think I, I just make up. I make up like a code so that even if I'm yelling, like only my team would understand the code. Like I could be, you know. Oh, I think that's smart. What, mm-hmm. that's, that's a what good. I would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather be the star of a bad team or an average player oh, on an elite team? Goodness. Oh, I, I really hate the word average, but in this context, I'm going to say average player on an elite team because I, I really love winning and, uh, I've never, like, I I've never wanted to be like the main attraction. I just really wanted to, to win no matter how that happened. Mm, yeah okay. I like that <laughs> yeah well do you do you not like the word average because you feel like it puts like a stigma on certain uh, players I or? think for my just for myself because I feel like if I'm if I'm average in something without the potential to get better at it you know like if if you're doing something and you're mm-hmm. everybody's going to be average at something at some point in their life like I'm an average I'm an average cook mm-hmm. right now totally under can totally say that um but mm-hmm. uh <laughs> You know, if I was only ever going to be an average player, like that would bother me. You know what I mean? So if there's potential yeah. to get better, like there is in everything in life, I'm 100% behind it. Yeah. I like that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So would you rather live without music or live television. without television? No. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, music is too much a part of my life um, for me to not have it. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Are you sure you wouldn't want to watch it again? I keep falling I I keep falling asleep (laughs) on this one episode. So I feel like (laughs) it's happened three times. I like I gotta I got I'm close to the point where I'm gonna Google it just so I can move on because I keep falling asleep. (laughs) 
That one. That is I, I know. My, Brian, my husband keeps finding me on the couch. Like you fell asleep again. I'm like, gosh, darn it. <laughs> so, so the yeah. crown three exactly. most zero. Exactly. I'm, I'm really my my Wikipedia. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just a Wikipedia oh, so you can move on. That point. <laughs> There's nothing worse than having to watch the same episode multiple times in a row. It's not like, okay, I'm deciding to binge watch this yeah. season over again and I've seen it three times. It's like, right. oh no, because I keep well, falling asleep. And it's, it's not a show where you like can just zone out. Like If the office is on in my house, we all just like listen and hear it in the background, but I'm like, okay, wait, who was that again? And, and what's their role in the monarchy? I, like, I, I can't. I need a, I need a map. <laughs> I need a map. Right? <laughs> um, okay, D, last one. Would you rather live in the house of your dreams, but it doesn't have internet access, or your current home for the rest of your life? Um, I, I would probably say house of my dreams without internet. Mostly, be, I know. Well, wow. I think a lot of it is, you know, I'm... I'm 34. And so for, you know, pretty much half of my life, internet wasn't a thing. Like, and even, like, even, uh, you know, so up until the time I was, I think we got dial up internet when I was like 16, maybe. So I, you know, uh, I grew up without it. So I'm like, yeah, I could, I could probably do without it. I mean, my life would drastically change and, you know, my cooking would go downhill. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it would be worth it to live in a dream house for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's fitting. Yeah. And I feel like internet at home is some, like, while it's a necessity, it can sometimes be seen as a luxury. Totally. Because, like, it can be really distracting oh, to have Oh, for it. sure. Yeah. It's, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it can do more harm than good. That's for sure. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we do, like, a, a missions okay. turn of the day. Um, and we might actually talk a little bit about if you want to do the breakdown of a D1, D2, and D3 in regards to the admissions term of the day. Um, But our admissions term of the day is scholarship, which is a grant or payment made to support a student's education awarded on the basis of academic or other achievements. Um, So a scholarship is gift money for our listeners. So you you don't ever have to pay a scholarship back um, or grants. But if you're getting loan, then you typically, well, you do have to pay that back. Um, And so then we already talked about subsidized versus unsubsidized loans. But if you did not hear that episode, a subsidized loan is... um, excuse me, is one that does not accrue interest while you're a student in college, um, while a subsidized, an unsubsidized loan does accrue interest. I, I love mm-hmm. that. That's so great that you explained that because that is often some some of the questions that I get all the time. So I, that's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how like when you work in college, I think they just assume yeah. that you know everything about every department. You're like, uh, it's not, it's not like, job. I can, I can give you the phone number <laughs> if someone is going to be better suited to answer that. Right. Man, I know the phone numbers to all of our departments on call. Oh, that's good. They're going to keep you around forever then if you know that. That's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it is good. So, Mo, do you want to break that down for like, because I know the question that I get a lot from students who are looking to play mm-hmm. like sports in college, they'll, they'll often ask the question like, well, what's the difference between D1, D2, yeah. and D3? And I always just break it down scholarship-wise. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's, I'll, you know, I'll explain it the way that I think is kind of the way that I tell people. Um, the, 
division one. So it's, it is a little different based on sport. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. in, in basketball, volleyball, football, I'll use those ones for right now. Um, in division mm-hmm. one, you universities, um, are fully funded in division one. Um, each sport has a different number of scholarships they're allotted to give. Um, and they are not mm-hmm. allowed to be separated, broken up, divided in any way. So, um, you know, when I was playing, you know, 12, 12 volleyball scholarships at a division one school, um, you get 12 athletes that are on scholarship. You can have up to, you know, however many you're ro- you want to carry on a roster, but only 12 of them are going to get athletic scholarships, um, at that level. So it really puts it in perspective when people are talking about, you know, and I, I can talk about this later, but when I, you know, when I was a teacher, cause I, I was a high school teacher for a couple of years and, you know, I worked with all athletes and all different levels and say, so, you know, having this, like, I want to be a D one athlete. It's like, that's great. I love shooting high, aiming high, but you need to understand how few people get those scholarships and, and they're out there mm-hmm. and, you know, you work hard and you do the right things and, and you have the athletic ability and all the other t- intangibles that coaches are looking for, you, you know, you have a really great shot. Um, but the thing that I am drawn to and that kind of hooked me in division two is that you can split scholarships in any way you want. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get, I have to get really creative as a coach on how to divide scholarships. Um, and there's no, um, at least for us in, in my situation, there's, mm-hmm. there's no like, um, set way to do it, you know, and, and every coach mm-hmm. of every sport is a little different. Um, so division mm-hmm. two is really awesome because you can really add to the depth of a team because you're able to pull money and divide money and find other, you know, find other grants, other scholarships in other areas on campus, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's really what I love about division two. And I'm going to say what I think I know about division three, although please chime in if I, okay. <laughs> my brother's actually a division three football coach. So, um, we can oh. hear stories often, but, um, you know, that's all academic based. Um, so they are allowed mm-hmm. to give scholarships to athletes based on ac- academics and other, um, community service, you know, like other things that they can apply for. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, and there's a lot, there's a lot different rules from division one to division three and, and everything. But um, mm-hmm. division two is often like, I think the coolest little pocket because you get to be yeah. the most creative with the money. And, and I think the money goes much further division two when you have it, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say having been, having been a division two yeah. athlete, <laughs> I think I prefer it. it like came with less pressure, but still a high level totally. of competition um, and a high level of skill so that you like build. And I don't know, I, I feel like I've met so many students and like knew so many like of my peers who were like, I want to play D1, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I played D2 and I would <laughs> yeah. prefer it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's different. It's different, but I've, I've grown to really love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to dive into our interview now. So thank you for answering that question and then kind of going into that because I think students don't really understand the Mm -hmm. difference of it. And I think especially when you have students who are like really focused on going pro, sometimes they think that you cannot go pro Mm -hmm. from a D2 or D3. And there are actually lots of students who do, student athletes Mm -hmm. who do go pro um, from D2. And I'm not sure about D3, but I'm sure there are D3 athletes that have gone pro. Um, So just kind of like 
de, um, destigmatizing that or demystifying that stigma. Um, but where did, I don't know if you already mentioned this um, yet, but if you, if you haven't, if you no, did, you're sorry. <laughs> but if yeah. you mention it, um, where did you go to school and play volleyball? What division was it? Um, and then how long have you been oh, playing goodness. volleyball? Well, it's really going back in the time machine. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of had an interesting story. I didn't actually start playing volleyball until my freshman year of high school. Um, and I know Nettie, oh. I know you're very similar, kind of late to the game, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah, my mom, I was a really big basketball player. And my mom said, you either oh. run cross country or you play volleyball. I was like, I already run enough in basketball. I am not running mm-hmm. anything. <laughs> I have to. Um, so my my freshman year, I actually signed with the University of Central Florida. So um, I was in Orlando, mm-hmm. um, went out there, um, was really thankful for the opportunity and for the and everything that I, I had there. Um, but I totally made that decision. I was 18, 17 when I committed to play there and um, mm-hmm. really uneducated decision on my part and also very arrogant decision on my part to go there. Um, mm-hmm. And my parents, bless their heart. They, I mean, they watched the train wreck coming and they let me do it. Cause like, that's how you, that's how you learn. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I was out there for a year and then just kind of realized had a very humbling moment and, uh, or I should say moments. Cause I think that's what college is humbling moments after humbling moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up transferring um, and finishing out my career and my degrees at Washington State University, which is in the Pac-12. Um, it was the mm-hmm. Pac-10 when I played. Um, so, mm-hmm. but yeah, I um, played volleyball there, finished out, and then, um, yeah, just kind of started adulting. And um, I don't know if you asked me a follow-up to that, but yeah, I, uh, my journey was was um, unique. Um, but everything, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, wh- okay. I have, sorry. I have to ask yeah, go for a it. question. Why did your mom give you the ultimatum of like track or Well, you know, like I said earlier, both my parents were college <clears throat> athletes um, and both my parents were three sport athletes all through high school. So in my house, I come from a very athletic, um, just my, both sides of my family are very athletic. And my mom really believed in like being a well-rounded athlete and, you know, I was in the national honor society. I was in like all these other clubs and staying, staying engaged and involved. Um, club sports were around and I, I definitely played a high level of club, both basketball and volleyball when I was in high school, but they were not the beast that they are today. Um, so my, my parents were like, Hey, you need to be in two to three sports or, you know, like you need to be involved in your community and your campus as much as possible um and I also think she didn't want to like deal with me sitting around waiting for basketball season to happen (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's awesome um so in terms Mm -hmm. of being a college athlete what was that experience like for you was it hectic how did you manage your time between school and being yeah it's hard um my there's like no real way to like sugarcoat that it's um it's a challenge um Time management is huge and you can try, you can do as much as possible to prepare yourself in high school for what's to come, but you really don't understand it until you're living on your own, managing your time, managing, you know, for us, it was managing practice, a full course load, watching film, going to meetings, going to study hall, and then you also have to eat 
you also have to like sleep, you know, that thing that you sometimes do. Um, and then also, <laughs> you know, there's just like maybe a social life. Um, if you're lucky, especially at the level I played at. Um, so it was definitely a challenge. Um, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. And, and not to scare anybody from wanting to be a college athlete. Cause I, you know, it's shaped who I am for sure. Um, but you just have to, you have to really mm -hmm. understand that it is not going to be easy. Like that. I always tell athletes after they've committed to play for us, I say that you just did the easy part. The easy part was deciding where to go. Now, now the hard work really happens. Um, you know, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like um, the the friends that you had or the company that you kept in college kind of helped also shape that experience or mold you to be more or um, maybe leaning towards your academics or maybe leaning more towards an Yeah, athlete? I mean, um, the, you know, the people that I, as I called it, went to battle with every day, you know, we were in it together um, and they've definitely shaped who I am to this day and, um still talk to them daily, you know, some of my teammates and, um, academically, um, I'm, I will forever be a student. I love school. I always have. Um, Me and too. so, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really having, you know, a, a large course load, a challenging one, um, you know, like I said, I was an English major and they're not, there were not a lot of athletes that were in my major. Um, so, it exposed mm -hmm. me to a whole different group of people that I probably otherwise wouldn't have connected with. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely um, all of those pieces impact you as an athlete, you know, cause you're, you are a student athlete. There, there is a reason they put that word first. <laughs> right. True. True. Yeah. And you know, what I think is also interesting is I feel like the, cause I, I feel like I'm a lifelong learner too. Like I'm, I'm definitely a student for life. Um, I feel like we find ways to be involved in academia or in any, you know, the people who don't ever want to leave school, they just come back right. to work in a school setting, you know, so they don't have to leave. Um, but did you have, did you change positions coming from your high school team to your college team? Yeah, if so, I did. What was that um, like? I, uh, <clears throat> as a volleyball player, um, you know, I started out freshman year and they kind of just, I was, I've been, I'm 5'11 and I've been 5'11 since sixth grade. Um, so I, I know. So I, I hit oh, wow. five eleven, and then just like everybody caught up to me kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I was a, I was a outside hitter kind of all through high school. And, and then I got recruited to be a setter, um, which I should have been all along because they're the ones that kind of control the game and the flow. And that's definitely my uh, personality more so than anything else. And um, so yeah, I, I changed positions when I got there. I had to learn how to be a setter when I got to college, which is like, no one else is doing that with me. You know, I'm, I'm learning by myself. Um, <laughs> but once again, it was just a, an opportunity to be above average in another thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Dang, oh, that's yeah. definitely challenging for you. So, um, okay. So Mo, when did you start coaching and did you know that you always like that you were going to coach or that you wanted to coach at some point in time in your life uh no I really fought being a coach I did not want to be a coach mm. um like with every fiber in my being I did not want to <laughs> be a coach really uh, why um for there's a multitude of reasons mm -hmm. um you know I didn't have um 
the best experience in my college, um, my college career with mm-hmm. my head, with my head coach, um, mm-hmm. just like stylistically and dynamic wasn't, um, a great fit, but, um, mm-hmm. So for me, it kind of left like this sour taste in my mouth of, um, do I really want to do that? Does it, you know, do I really want to go down that route? Um, and I kind of felt like I had, you know, I, I thought in my head, as we all do, when you're in college, you're like, okay, so I'm going to get this degree and then I'm automatically going to get a job and then I'm going (laughs) to use my degree that I spent four or five years getting and, I graduated and I mean, I graduated during the recession. I graduated in 2008. Oh. So, and I've been telling people with, with everything going on with um, COVID, I'm like, Hey, I've been there mm-hmm. <laughs> like, literally mm-hmm. coming out of college with this degree and then there not being any jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually started coaching. I came when I met you, Nettie, when I was mm-hmm. here, the fir- I call it the first time. Um, yeah in 2009 I believe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then I was here and coaching and um it just really kind of I really struggled being here I had been I moved away from my family to go to college at 18 and I never went home wow. pretty much mm-hmm. so um after that first year of coaching I, I was like I want to I want to go back to the northwest I want to teach I want to try out my degree I want to like actually see if this teaching thing is for me um Ended up staying up there for four years. I met my husband. Um, got mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it all, again, everything happens for a reason. True. Um, mm-hmm. Had a great job, loved my job, and then was presented with an opportunity to come back to Monterey and take over as the head coach in 2014. Um, so six years later, here I am. <laughs> wow, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. I was like, even though I didn't even play volleyball anymore, I was like, I hope Mo takes this position because she's such a good coach. Like, <laughs> I just remember you like always being like a highlight of my volleyball experience. Aww, thank yeah, you. I, I thought you were a really good coach, and I I'm, really enjoyed you. I'm sure. I'm sure not all of my athletes would say the same thing <laughs> based based on what type of conditioning we're doing on any given day. I mean, I do remember the conditioning my yeah. freshman year, yeah. and you know, I wasn't I, always a fan I know, but... <laughs> I know but you're better for it right like we're I... all better for it 100 percent. who yeah. came up with eights was that you Joe? no that was that was <laughs> that may have been nicole actually that sounds okay. like a nicole thing that's definitely yeah. like a nicole thing those but... were my least favorite <laughs> but you know what i think is cool about you know realizing because you said one of the reasons you didn't want to become a coach is because of the experiences you had Mm -hmm, while being mm -hmm. a student athlete I think that also gives you something that you can do you know like you've learned what may work what you know sort of improvements are and I mean the 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 tricky thing is you're not going to be liked by everybody and as a coach you kind of yeah I would argue most coaches don't care to be liked yeah you're not there to be liked but at the same time, I feel like, you know, what you went through as a student athlete might have even prepared you for being well, a- Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's really what I tell people is I started co- when I actually gave in and said, OK, I'm here, um, was to make if I can make at least one athlete's experience better than mine was, um, then I did my job. And, and I will also s- tell you guys, too, is now that I'm older, too, is um, coaching has really opened my eyes and like my heart to understanding some of the stress that my coach was going through mm-hmm. that you don't understand when you're not, I mean, you don't understand when you're 18 to 21, mm-hmm. what, these, right. what these coaches are going through, you know, cause 
you know, we're, we're selfish individuals just as a, you know, human nature. Right. Mm -hmm. So I show up every day for practice and just think that all of the attention and all of the effort that should be put into our practice is like the only thing my coaches had to think about that day, which in reality is not the case. Right. (laughs) So it's been, it's been very humbling for me to be a coach learning all the things that I have learned since not being a player anymore. Mm -hmm. That's good. And it's so fun. It's like cool to have that like switch in dynamics too. Cause I think like, even you understand like, okay, what is it like coming in like from high school and Mm -hmm. then like having to deal with this new thing? Cause I remember for me, like I never, even thought I would make it to college sports because it just like wasn't anything I ever like I never wanted to play collegially it's like oh yeah I'm gonna go to school be a student major in this um and then I got the opportunity and I was like okay I'll take the opportunity and there were like so many firsts for me mm-hmm. so it's it's nice that you have this duality because you're like okay now I understand <laughs> yeah. and now maybe you have like a little more like empathy towards your coach where you like may have thought before you might have like not hated her for the rest of your life but like just had a sore spot <laughs> yeah. for your coach absolutely um, and now it's kind of softening up, which is really cool. Yeah. So um, something I really tell students, because I mean, I have the opportunity of like being a student athlete and like seeing some things and like introspect, but and not and I don't fully understand them as a coach. So it'd be really nice um, for you to talk about it. But when I tell students, I'm like, like coaches aren't just looking for a great player. Like they're also looking for someone who's going to mesh well with their team. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about um, maybe what that looks like for you or why that's so important in the coaching world in general? Because I think a lot of students are so focused on I've got to be the best player, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but they don't necessarily realize like, I got to be coachable. I got to mesh well with this team and like all the other pieces that go along with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and every every coach is different. Everybody's style mm-hmm. is different. Um, I think for us, you know, one of the things that I um, I'm a big believer in attitude and effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, those are, we tell, I tell my kids every day, my girls every day, like you can control two things, attitude and effort. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. so I think, and that goes in everything. That's not just athletics and, um, arguably more important once you're done being an athlete, because the majority of your life, you're going to be a non-athlete more than you are, mm-hmm. an athlete, unless you go on to play professionally. Right. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you said you made a comment about being the best. And, you know, I definitely saw that a lot when I was teaching and I, you know, like I was, I was, you know, I had a bunch of football players in my classes. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, not just football players, but I saw it a lot from them of like, I have to do whatever it takes to be the best. And I think there's a common misconception of at that age of like being the best um, or being the best you. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a coach, when you find, and, it, and this is why I work so hard at what I do is to find athletes that are working to be the best version of them in their sport. Mm-hmm. Because some people's best is being the star and you need those. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's also some who are the best at being role players. Right. And in Mm -hmm. my, you know, in our sport, it's maybe a role player is coming in and playing three rotations in the back row. And that's, that's all you play, but like you did your job and you owned your job and you made us better. Um, Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, um, if I could go back and like, reframe my brain it would I'm not a fiercely competitive person but I'm my biggest competitor is myself um but I think is looking for student athletes who understand the best is out there but like you're never going to get it if you if you're not willing to be the best you to find Mm -hmm. it you know Mm -hmm. um and I also will tell you I um like I don't I tell athletes all that I don't know if I should say this but I'm going to anyways um (laughs) like I 
I, I can't coach laziness. Like I, I can't mm-hmm. do, I can't do it. Um, and I, you know, I tell people everybody has their days and everybody has varying levels and, um, and I get that and I'm, I'm guilty of it too, but if you really want to be great, you have to be willing to put in the work to be great. And there's just no, right. there's no room for people to be lazy in that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I think yeah. I like, I feel like I would back you up 100% on that. Cause I just remember growing up, my dad will all like the one thing you always say to me was like, the only person you're cheating is yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think about like, if you're going to be playing competitive sports and you're going to be lazy, like it doesn't even seem like it should go in the same sentence. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there are no corners to cut. Like you have no. to do everything. If you want to be that best version of yourself, that best role in the team, yeah. like whatever that best is going to be, you've got to do it. And laziness will never help you achieve that goal. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, no room for that right there. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mo, how do you feel um, or how do students who are maybe interested in your institution specifically, um, California State University of Monterey Bay, how would they go about finding an athletic scholarship in volleyball? Um, Yeah. So, again, where we are, it's kind of one of those situations where, um, you know, sending emails is kind of the, well, especially now that we're all, you know, where we are in our current situation. Um, Mm -hmm but is asking, you know, I, I used to, when I was a younger coach, I used to kind of get offended when I would get an email about like, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so and I'm from wherever and I'm this tall and I'm looking for a scholarship and I would almost be kind of offended by it. Like, how could you, <laughs> how could you be asking? And then kind of had this, you know, realization that they're just being upfront and saying like, I'm not going to be able to go to school if I don't have financial mm. assistance. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? I think that now, obviously, now that I'm older and I've had some time to learn, um, I think for a lot of students, you know, they want to make sure that if they're going to pursue a school or, you know, university, they're going to pursue being recruited by coaches, um, put in the work to send emails. They want to know, is there financial assistance available? Mm-hmm. Um, for us at CSUMB, um, it goes kind of, case by case, year by year, what position we need, who we're graduating. Um, I never really talk financial uh, assistance with athletes until it kind of gets to a serious, a more serious point. Um, mm-hmm. Because I I don't want to throw that out there mm-hmm. and kind of like dangle it if this athlete isn't going to be the best fit for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so the money is there, but everybody, again, like I said earlier, talking with you guys, you know, every coach is different on how they're going to divvy that up, you know? Right. So my next question is, um, how do you help develop your players' individual skill levels? Uh, You have to know, I keep calling them my kids because I, these truly, my, these are my kids. I I don't have kids Mm. of my own. So when I say that, I I actually mean, these are my, these are my babies. Um, You have to know your kids. You know, like I, not every coach, I think, uh, sees it like I see it. Um, but to get the best out of somebody, you got to know what makes them tick, right? You got to, mm-hmm. you got to know, for me, the most important thing that I learn from my athletes, I try to learn very early is how, how you need to communicate with them. Um, mm-hmm. cause I think a lot of, a lot of the reason that some coaches don't make it or aren't successful is because, they kind of have a one size fits all mentality, like mm-hmm. my way or the highway, you communicate like this, you listen like this, or you don't play for me. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I know that especially at some of the bigger schools that can, and obviously some of the, those bigger schools that works, but at division two, at our level, getting the most out of our athletes on the court and off the court is you got to be able to explain things to, to, to them. So they understand. Um, mm -hmm. And that just takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot on my, on my end and my staff's end to learn, to learn our athletes as best we can. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we give them the tools. We tell, you know, once, once they understand what's expected, it's their, it's their obligation to go figure it out after that. How yeah. many girls are on your team? Um, currently we have 18 on our roster. Wow. Um, which is, yeah, pretty pretty big we've carried between 15 and 18 my whole time here um we usually redshirt a couple we sometimes have some injuries um so it ends up it always ends up working out um we just always like to make sure that we've got enough people to do what we need to do <laughs> mm -hmm. can you talk about like redshirt oh, yes because there's I, yes, would a... <laughs> I would love to i would love to get on this platform to talk yeah. about redshirting <laughs> I will say, whoever is listening to this, if I could go back in time and be a red shirt, I would have 100% been a red shirt. I, I would have done anything possible to red shirt if I could have. Um, mm -hmm. I, red shirting gets a really bad rap um, yeah. know, for like a lot of athletes. And I, I can say that because I thought this way when I was mm -hmm. in high school was like, oh, well, if you're red shirting, that means you're not good enough to play right away. Like that mm -hmm. is... That is often what I hear, and I kind of have to tell people, you need to do a few things when it comes to redshirting. Redshirting is being an 18-year-old on your own for the first time in college mm -hmm. is so hard. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care how many resources you have or how many people you have in your corner. You're still the one that has to answer to you when you go home at night, right? And mm -hmm. that is just a lot to handle. Um developmentally mentally i think emotionally i think there's a lot your freshman year that's just so overwhelming um i think mm -hmm. th i think that's why there's such a high rate of transfers after their freshman year um mm. is because they don't you know you're again you're 18 you don't know how to process some of this stuff you know right um and so what redshirting is is um if you redshirt you know and every coach has a different philosophy my philosophy is if um, if i don't think that you are going to be able to beat somebody out in your position group by the middle of our season and now there's a there's a level of trust you have to have in your coach that your coach knows because he or she's been around long enough to know um mm -hmm. if i don't think that you're going to beat somebody out for that spot um and i think i can save you a year and you can get stronger or maybe you can develop a little bit more um save that year um and and mm -hmm. learn and not feel the pressure and then mm -hmm. get to compete um redshirting also happens if there's an injury um, you know, to, to protect that year in, uh, redshirting can also happen if you're academically ineligible coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, for me, it's that development piece. Um, if, if you need a little bit more time to develop just in general, like there's no shame in that. And there should be no, there should be no shame in being a red shirt ever, <laughs> ever. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah, but, uh, and again, um, and the other part of that too is um, with some of my students, like I have a lot of biology students and mm -hmm. at, C at CSUMB, biology is at a minimum five years to get through. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And for us, I'm like, hey, if you're going to be here for a fifth year anyways, why don't you get settled mm -hmm. that first year and then take those four years to play and finish out so you finish at the same time with volleyball and school, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So mm-hmm. I, it's, I'm so glad you said that. And like, you took this opportunity to talk about it. Cause sometimes I forget to tell people like, yeah, I was a red shirt my freshman mm-hmm. year. Cause it was just like such a part of my experience. But I tell people all the time, like, I loved my red shirt year. And I, I, I even told people that in college while I was still a red shirt, cause it just gave you this opportunity to not have to compete with people mm-hmm. or like to compete with your teammates mm-hmm. when you may not be ready to compete to them. And it right. gives you this time to adjust and like, and I guess for me, maybe I looked at it uniquely too, because I didn't start playing volleyball till 10th grade in mm-hmm. high school. So there was so much I didn't know about the sport that I was still learning mm-hmm. in college. So like I looked at the redshirt year as such an opportunity. I'm like, this is where I really get to like grow my skill and hone in on my opportunities. And I don't have to waste a year of eligibility. And I don't have anyone I'm competing against except for myself. Right. So, well, yeah. and it's, it's it has to be that growth mindset because um, mm-hmm. If you don't have that, it's going to be a long, a long career for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a short one or a short one. You know? True. Or a short one. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mo, can you talk to us about what a typical day may look like as a student athlete, both based on your own personal experiences or what you know, just coaching your girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're drastically different, um, which is, again, one of the reasons I love Division Two. Um, Division Two's um, kind of mantra early on with life and balance um, and mm-hmm. still very much part of the division two ideals is that idea of having balance in life. Um, so for our athletes, you know, and in, uh, in, in season, you know, they go to class in the morning, um, they come to practice and we as a program, I really don't like having my athletes to have to come back and forth to and from the gym. You know, I want them there for a three hour stretch of time, we won't practice for three hours. I'm not, I do not believe in three hour practices. That is, I just don't (laughs) think attention span health wise. I just don't think that's going to be a a great benefit, but, um, you know, they go to class, they come, you know, we lift, they lift for an hour. We practice for two hours, um, or we watch film for an hour and practice for two hours. And then they kind of go about their day class study hall for all of our freshmen, um and then you know in the fall we're on the road you know we could be on the road one weekend thursday through sunday playing friday and saturday nights um and then or we could be at home playing friday and saturday but getting to sleep in your own bed um Uh and you know it sounds like when i say it it's like oh that's not too bad but it's a lot you know it's a it's yeah (laughs) it's not for the faint of heart um at the level i played at (laughs) it's it's a whole different beast. I mean, it, it's class, uh, meetings, study hall, you know, voluntary practice for two hours, followed by an actual practice for three hours. Um, stu- you know, more study hall, more film. I'm lucky if I'm in bed by 10. Lucky is a stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and that's just in season, right? You know, like it, mm-hmm. it's a lot. You're, your life is your sport when you're at the division one level. Um, division two, you know, it's, it's more freedom. The girls, you know, our, our whole team has part-time jobs that they work sometimes when they can, when they can, uh, in the spring, we only train four days a week as opposed to five. We don't have matches. Um, so division two really allows athletes to have more balance, but I will also say I'm, I'm pretty demanding. So the demand is really high when you are in the gym with us. Um, but then once it's over, you can go about your day. (laughs) True. (laughs) Yes. I do remember study hall and it's something like, I make sure when I tell students that, um, they're looking to be like athletes in college, I'm like, Oh, 
like you will have study hall. Like, yeah. and I know that for every institution, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. and for every team. It was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Cause I think even for us, like we were required, like all freshmen were required to go to study hall, regardless of what your GPA was. Mm-hmm. And then once you had a certain GPA, like your second year, then you didn't have to go to study hall. But there were some teams I remember, like they were like, no, you regardless, you still have to go to study hall. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, this many hours a week. Um, but I do, and one thing I really remember, and I keep saying, I said Jody's name now like two or three times. Yeah. So for our listeners, Jody was my head coach when I was um, a student athlete, and then Mo was the assistant coach. Um, but I, I really remember you all talking and pushing the rhetoric that you're a student before you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something I really try and push the students as well. So can you talk about the importance of this statement um, and what does it mean to you as a coach? Yeah. Um you know, again, even if you are a professional athlete and you have that opportunity, um, you know, using your degree uh, when you graduate um, is is so important. And having a degree, mm-hmm. having a degree is just so important. Um, and also, you know, to be, you know, being a student athlete um, is it it translates onto the field, onto the core, onto the pool, whatever, you know, whatever your vehicle is for athletics. Um, because if you're taking pride in your academics, you're going to take pride in what you're doing athletically. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, and, and vice versa, because, you know, there are, Mm -hmm. there are rules and GPA standards that you have to maintain if you're an athlete. Um, and you know, I, even my, I have an uncle who was drafted and played in the NFL for a number of years. And, um, you know, he, he still to this day has not finished his degree. And mm-hmm. I, I've talked to him often about how, you know, that's so hard for him to think about going back and getting it now um, mm-hmm. because he had it, you know, he had one more semester to finish it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, and I know that that's something, you know, he's, you know, fortunately for him and his line of work that he does now, he doesn't really need it per se, but to be able, he has four kids, um, to be able to be like, this is, I did this, I accomplished this as a student athlete. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely been something that's been missing. Um, but yeah, it's being a student and like a lifelong learner, as you said earlier, D, I think is the best thing that for any of us, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. You know, this isn't a question that we have on our um, outline, but I'm actually curious. So, Mo, can you tell us about, like, maybe some highlights from the MB um, team of volleyball or uh, just the last game that you guys played or whatever you want to mention about your team? Oh, so much. Um, Well, the, you know, we had a pretty rough season this past year, um, most Mm -hmm. mostly due to youth. We had um, a senior get injured three days before we started our season. Um, It was a pretty bad one. Um, (laughs) We had eight freshmen, which I, I, if you could see me right now, I'm sure I have some some great, (laughs) some gray hair, some gray hair from it. Eight eight 18-year-olds in the gym at one time. It's like a lot, right? Um, But what I will say is up until um, shelter in place happened, we were having just this incredible spring um, and we had won a beach tournament, the first beach tournament that we played in as a university. Um, wow. Yeah, which was super great. Um, you know, we've we've loaded up on some, we got a couple transfers on the team now, um, and, and everybody's just really wanting to get back onto the court. Um, but I will say in my time here at CSUMB, um, you know, we've had exponential 
um, growth and success in the gym more so than ever before um, as a team. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we had it, we had a tough fall, but I think it was so important that we had it to remind us, like, we still have a lot of work to do. And also I think to really um, show these athletes that I have that like, just because you came here when we were winning, um, you know, got recruited when we were winning, you have to do the work to keep that legacy going. You can't just, mm -hmm. you can't just ride on coattails. You know, you got to do the work. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, and I'm sorry, I'm going to switch us a little back mm -hmm. to academics. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you were saying about like your, your uncle and he played pro football mm -hmm. and now he has a line of work and why it's so important to have a degree and something we really push on this episode. And we're hoping um, on this episode on this podcast, and we're hoping to have more episodes like this in the future where we're interviewing, um, former athletes, coaches, um, is really that life post sports. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we had one guest on who talked about like father time. He said, you may make it to the pros and you may have a great career like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, but at some point father time is going to catch up to you. And it's going to say, all right, it's time to resign. And so what are you going to do after that? And that, you know, getting to that high of a level may only happen to a small percentage, um, of the masses that we're really talking to that, like want to play collegiate ball. So what, um, or why do you think it's really important for students to have like, I don't even want to say a backup plan, but just to have a plan of what they're going to do when it's time for them to stop playing their sport. I, you know, I think truly one of the things <clears throat> that I struggled with, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the most coming out of um, stop, when I stopped playing was just like mm -hmm. identity and not that, that mm -hmm. the loss of identity mm -hmm. as an athlete. Mm -hmm. And I think, having a degree knowing that you can you you know it's going to be hard it might not be exactly what you want right away but it's a new challenge but having the opportunity to pursue a different endeavor um and mm -hmm. redefining and reshaping your own identity because you're not an athlete anymore um mm -hmm. I, I think there's just something like that is what people need that's what athletes need um because mm -hmm. if you've grown up and i you know i grew up in a, like i said earlier in a house of sport right so mm -hmm. my, I was an athlete my entire life. I didn't like, I like really didn't have many other options. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then when you're no longer can no longer fit in that category of an athlete, it's a struggle to feel like, okay, but I've spent my whole life in this bubble. How do, how do I create a new bubble? And I, right. I think if you don't have, <clears throat> um, a degree and like that education and you know that something else that you can put your effort and your work into um mm -hmm. i really think that's when people start to go downhill um pretty fast yeah so how do you feel like you prepare your your athletes for their life and like helping them create an identity outside of being an athlete well i'm a big advocate for them finding part-time jobs um, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a big advocate for that because I never had one. I like, I mm. never had a job. And so I graduated college, like, oh my God, <laughs> what, mm. <laughs> what, like I, you know, when you're div the division one level, you don't have time for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I was like putting together my resume and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What am I <laughs> like? What? There's nothing on here. Um, so, you know, I've helped countless of my athletes, like, I've sit, I've sat outside at a Starbucks preparing one of my kids for an interview at like Bubba Gums before she walked across the street. And I, you know, like, mm -hmm. so yeah, I just, I want them to 
I want them to be involved in different things. That's the other part for Mm -hmm. me. Um, I don't want them to feel like they're just an athlete because I know I struggled with my identity for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So multifaceted things are so important. And I bet I bet I get that from Mm -hmm. my mom because she she wanted me to be multi-sport, multi, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that when you when you only have one thing and that's your only thing, um, you know, some people that works great, but I think for the majority of us, that's right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't end well, you know? Right. So, and then and I, like you mentioned, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, like you mentioned, you know, it's just so competitive out here now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you graduate, not having any experience other than being an athlete or, you know, maybe, um, involved socially on campus, mm-hmm. it becomes kind of challenging to secure a job. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, especially the climate that we're in right now, I think the more you the more you can be involved in and in things that interest you that challenge you um, that, you know, and I think for athletes, well, for me in particular, and I do see a trend is, I think one of the things that stops athletes from being involved in some of these other things is the risk of failure. And, mm-hmm. and that's, mm-hmm. that's not just athletes, right? That's, I think a lot of people but when you work tirelessly for years on end to not fail and then to join a club or, you know, like an organization where you know nothing um, and risk, Mm -hmm. risk failing, that's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Well, we're going to skip to our last question because we are, we're out of time, but this was so much fun. So we'll have to have you back. I would love it. Um, (laughs) But what is some advice you give for athletes um, that don't get the opportunity to play collegiate sports, but really wanted to? Mm. Um, I would say there's no, um, I would say just ask. I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of coaches out there who, um, want people around their program that really love the sport that really love their school, you know, and I think, you know, Nettie, mm-hmm. Nettie, you're just a great example of that. You know, you chose CSUMB for the school, oh, you. um, you mm-hmm. know, and you really had, um, and still have a, a deep passion for, you know, CSUMB and what it, st- what it stands for and, and all that stuff. And so, um, I would say, ask a coach, they might want you involved, but also universities have so much, so many great, intramural and club programs um Mm -hmm. and just because it might not be you know this competitiveness that you think you want at that time um college is about exploring and trying new things and learning new things and being involved in something is better than nothing when you get to college right oh i love that (laughs) thank you mo absolutely This has been so great. So we're just going to kind of wrap up the end of our episode. And if you feel comfortable um, and you want to drop a place where they can contact you, whether it be email or a social media tag, um, we love for that. If not, it's fine. We can totally have students email us and then um, we'll pass the emails along to you and then give them the answer from you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I would just say the, the best one is uh, Instagram at CSUMB Volleyball. Um, okay. That's probably the best one. Um and then, yeah, my email is kind of weird to explain. So you can, of course, forward and yeah. any any and all to me. But um, Instagram is probably the best way to, to learn about us. Um, and we try to keep that as updated as possible. Okay, great. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Mo, it's been a pleasure meeting you virtually. Um, <laughs> and I'm sad you didn't tell me any dirt on Nettie, but it's okay. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm going to think of one tonight and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to let you know somehow. Thank you. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna inbox you guys on um, CSU and B volleyball and be like, what? 
do it. <laughs> but you shared so much with our students and our student athletes and students are interested in um, sports, even, you know, counselors, parents, because it, it's a process navigating it at any level. Um, and so we really appreciate you taking out the time, being truthful, transparent, and just sharing all the information. Um, so, yeah, it was yeah. great meeting you again. Yes, and that's it. And we'll have to, to we'll have to get you back on too, so we can dive in a little bit more about oh, yeah. just kind of like the recruiting process. We can talk for hours. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a yeah, <laughs> I think it gets um, a mm-hmm. little more complex than students really realize. So maybe we'll after this we'll we'll chat about getting that. Maybe we can get another um, coach on the phone as well, and then yeah. kind of let you guys go back and forth. Um, about the recruitment process and what's similar and what's different. Um, but yeah, but that is it for today's episode. So uh, to all of our listeners, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to Admitting It on all social media, aka social media platforms. And you can email any questions, suggestions, or fan mail to Admitting It. That's A-D-M-I-T-N-I-T at gmail.com. Um, and of course, our handles are at Admitting It. Um, <laughs> for everything. So thanks for tuning in to another lecture of Admitnet at the University of Nettie and Dee. Apply your knowledge today. Thanks. Bye.